0: Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I actually have my summary to First Thessalonians. I um, was able to do this fairly quickly, so that was not too bad. And that's what we're going to do now, is we're going to do our summary for First Thessalonians. Now, I'm just going to start off the top. Uh, remember that Thessalonica was the name of the town. It was the capital of the uh, Roman Macedonia, which we would consider northern Greece now. And the town now is named like Thessaloniki or something like that. I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but um, it's still basically the same city. Now, back then it was the capital. I don't know now its status and things. It's probably still a big town, but I don't know that. Um, All right, so anyway, continuing on, Paul, well overall Paul is pleased with the Thessalonians in this letter. They've been very faithful, they've been very loving, they've been very good, they've set an example and he's going to get into all that. So I just want to start it with that. He had sent Timothy to check on them to see how they were doing, to see what they needed to learn, you know, if there was something he could communicate to them to help them and to make sure that they were in good faith. and. Um, it was a very good report that came back to him. So, Let's just start with chapter 1. So in chapter 1 he praises them for being an example of faith and love to others and for turning away from idols. Let's see, uh, if you look in verse 7 we can just do a quick check on this so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia now that would be, Achaia okay, would be southern Greece, so now it's all one, it's Greece. So, um, and then in verse 9, for they themselves report about us, telling what kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So he's praising them for their changes, and for the way they've been faithful, and the way they have become examples of, uh, of Christian living. So then, in chapter 2, now Thessalonians, first Thessalonians is pretty short, all the chapters are fairly short, and Paul is pretty straightforward in everything. So in chapter 2, now Paul talks about how he brought the gospel to them, reminding them that they came, they brought the gospel to them in in the correct manner and for the correct reasons. They did it. For God, they didn't do it to please men. Now, we can look at this a quick summary of this in in verses 4 through 7. But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as to please people, but to please God who examines our hearts. For as you well know, we never came with words of flattery, nor with pretext or greed. God is our witness, nor did we seek glory and honor from people, neither from you, nor from anyone else, <clears throat> though as apostles of Christ we had the power to assert our authority, but we behaved gently when we were among you, like a devoted mother tenderly caring for her own children. So, um, sorry, like a devoted mother tenderly caring for her own children. I was not trying to speed through that, um, but I wanted you to get the, the gist of the idea that they came to them and taught them. In a kind, loving way. Also, he mentions that um, he worked while he was there. He worked so as not to be a burden, and he mentions this down in verse nine that he worked tonight. We worked night and day, not just him, but his group. You know, so they were not a burden on them. They did not have to financially support them while they taught them the gospel. And also they Paul mentions that they warned them that persecution would happen, that it would come, and it did. You know, just like they had been persecuted in Judea. And so you can look at um, verses 14 and 15 really together. And I'm just going to do like a snippet of this because you two suffered the same kind of persecution from your own countrymen as those as they oh I said that wrong, as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and harassed and drove us out, so he had warned them of persecution, and they were indeed going through persecution, obviously, Christians were not very popular at this time, <laughs> for whatever reason, so, and i I laugh, it's really probably not a funny matter, I just mean, obviously, they were not very popular in those times. At that time, it was a new thing. And very often, uh, Christians are not appreciated, especially anyway, but especially when it's a new thing back then, I imagine. So, then we move on to chapter 3, and Paul mentions and talks of Timothy's visit and the encouraging news he received from Timothy about how they were doing again. Uh, You can look at verse 6 here, and I am a little slow, I apologize, but now that Timothy has come back to us from his visit with you and has brought us good news of your steadfast faith and the warmth of your love, you know, reporting that, uh, let's see, reporting that you always think kindly of us and treasure your memories of us, so, you know, this was very encouraging to Paul, very good news to hear that they they were doing well. And that in verse 10, he mentions that we continue to pray and day most earnestly, that we may see you face to face and may complete whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. He's praying for them and wanting to see them and help teach them whatever else they might need to know. And praying that uh, the obstacles would be removed so that he could indeed go see them. Now, Let's see. Um, So then, in chapter 4, like I said, some of these chapters were short. They were straight to the point. They had certain things being said. And if I've missed certain things, by all means, if someone wants to try to bring that to my attention, uh, I'm not opposed um, if I've missed any certain points. But moving on to chapter 4, now in chapter 4, there's a lot more here. Um, First off, Paul encourages them to continue to walk pleasing to the Lord, and that's in the very first verse. Um, we admonish you and the Lord Jesus that you follow instructions you received from us, how do you walk and how you ought to walk and please God, and that you excel even more and more you know um, in pursuing a life of purpose and living in a way that expresses gratitude to God so. Here he's encouraging them to continue that walk. In verse 3, he's encouraging them to abstain from sin and sexual immorality. For this is the will of God, that you be sanctified, that you abstain and back away from sexual immorality. He goes on to speak about other stuff about being separate and holy and not using our bodies in lustful passions and not having sexual misconduct. Um, don't transgress or defraud Your brother, his brother, let's see, um, let me get that here. No man shall transgress and defraud his brother, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we've told you before and solemnly warned you. You know, we don't want to transgress against our brother or defraud our brother. Now, the way this is written, and the way it comes across to me a little bit, is like maybe there was some infidelity possibly going on that shouldn't have been going on or that there was hints possibly of it and just that we shouldn't be uh, transgressing and defrauding our brother if you understand what I mean. Now maybe that's not intended to be that way but that's kinda of the way it sounds to me so I'm just mentioning it that way. Um, it may not it may not mean that exactly he may mean just exactly what he says just that we shouldn't do any of those things and it, he may not be referring to any particular incident. I just say the way it's written kind of made it sound like maybe something was going on. I don't know. He doesn't come out and say it. And, and in other letters in the past, he would come out and say such things. So, so maybe I'm reading too much into it. But nonetheless, he's encouraging them to make sure they don't do these things. Um, now, he does encourage them in verse 10 to grow in love, to continue to grow in love. For indeed, you already do practice it toward all believers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, that you excel in this matter more and more. Now, that was in verse 10. In verse 9, he says, You have no need for anyone to write to you about love, because you have been doing that. Indeed, you already practice it toward all the believers. So, maybe those should have gone together in my summary. I apologize. But nonetheless, also in verse 11, he encourages them to live peaceably. Make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully and to mind your own affairs and work with your hands just as we directed you. You know, I must have read this a long, long time ago because this is kind of what I've always wanted to do. Just live quietly and peacefully to mind my own business, you know, maybe to care about others and help others, but not to be, you know, not to be embroiled in all the craziness that we see nowadays. Anyway, just saying. So that's a wonderful thing. He encouraged them. And then he teaches about, from then on, when you get down here from verse 13 on, he teaches about the return of Christ. And uh, we can look at a quick, just a one quick little verse for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the blast of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now then in 17 it says, We who are alive and remain will simultaneously be called up, together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So, Now that is that's the essence of what he teaches them in the rest of chapter 4. Now then we move to chapter 5, where he also continues, and he says the Lord, of course, will return at an unknown time when, it, when he's not expected. And in verse 3, he says, while they are saying peace and safety, all is well and secure. Then, in a moment unforeseen, destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains on a woman with a child, and they will absolutely not escape, for there will be no way to escape the judgment of the Lord. So, and that's that's when the Lord will return, and that's how He will return. So He encourages them down in verse six to not be spiritually asleep or indifferent, but to stay spiritually alert and awake, and to make sure that we are, you know, following the Lord and um, always, you know, being grateful and thankful to the Lord. But making sure that we're not asleep, that we're awake. So then let us not sleep in spiritual indifference as the rest of the world does, but let us keep wide awake, alert and cautious, and let us be sober, self-controlled, calm and wise. So it's important that we not allow ourselves to slip into spiritual indifference or sleep or slackness, however you want to think of that. Instead, he encourages us to encourage and edify one another. Now we're going to look at this verse 11. Therefore encourage and comfort one another. And build up one another just as you are doing. Don't stop that. Don't quit doing that. Continue to do that. Because in the verse above there. Because we want to live together with God. With Christ in eternity. So therefore, encourage and comfort one another and build up one another just as you are doing don't don't forget that that's our goal so then now and this really just really re, this really deserves this section of verses really deserves its own whole message its own whole uh, uh, I guess episode or whatever I want to call it I, I guess I'll just call it a message. Because in verses 12 through 22, Paul really tells them and encourages them to uh, follow this Christian code of conduct, okay? And it's, I guess I shouldn't call it a code of conduct, but he tells them to definitely follow these ideas and to stay with this kind of conduct. And the idea is, I'm just going to go over this quickly. Now, it's in verses 12 through 22. You know, appreciate those who are in charge of the congregation, who are working over us, in charge of us, over us in the Lord. You know, appreciate the elders and the pastor. You know, appreciate them and hold them esteem, love them and appreciate it. Live in peace with one another. You know, um... Admonish those who are out of line, you know, if we have believers that are undisciplined and disorderly, you know, admonish them and try to get them to, you know, bring them into line. Uh, Encourage those who are timid. Help those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. You know, uh, see that we don't repay one another evil for evil, and matter of fact, this says, and this says anyone actually, because this says, See that no one repays another for evil for evil, but always seek that which is good for one another and for all people. So, and this applies to anyone. See that we're not repaying evil for evil. Rejoice and delight in our faith. Be unceasing and persistent in prayer. Again, Paul has said this before, and he says it again. Be thankful, continually give thanks to God. Do not quench the spirit and do not subdue or, you know, when, when we know what's good to do and what we should do and what's bad to do and what we shouldn't do, you know, we shouldn't quench that, um, idea. We shouldn't subdue that idea. We should make sure that we follow the prodding or the poking or the leading of the Holy Spirit and God's Word and do what we should do. We should be responsive to that. You know, do not scorn the instructions and the the uh, teachings we get from the Bible, from our preachers and from, from the leaders or others. You know, but test all things. We should test all things to make sure that they are from the Word of God and that they do agree with God's Word and that they're not wrong. And then we should abstain from every form of evil. We should just withdraw and keep away from it, just stay away from every form of evil. So that is a quick... Now, like I said, these verses really deserve their own message because we could really go into each of these quite a bit. At least I think we could. But nonetheless, this is just part of my summary and he's encouraging them to have this conduct. So then, after that... He he basically blesses them, kind of a prayer for them. He asks for their prayers, and then he asks, he tells them really, he tells them to uh, read this letter to the entire congregation, and then he gives them a little blessing: the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And that is First Thessalonians. It's primarily a letter of uh, of praise to them. With some teaching, and um, an idea I had gotten from somewhere um, where I was reading some commentaries and stuff was that perhaps someone had told them that they, uh, that they had somehow missed the day of the Lord and that the Lord had already returned, or someone told them something wrong about the day of the Lord, and Paul was trying to correct that here, and then Paul also was trying to encourage them to grow in love, and knowing where they live, the capital city, where they had a lot of sinful things going on, to abstain and stay away from all that, which it sounded like they were probably already doing, but he was just encouraging and reinforcing that. He didn't seem to have any true specific thing that they were doing wrong. Um, so that is my summary of First first. Thessalonians. I think I hit all the major points. Um, as far as summaries go, this isn't too uh, too bad. Hopefully it hasn't been too long for you. I know some of my others have been longer because there was just a lot more to go over. So I want to thank you for listening. hope you have a wonderful day. The Lord bless you and keep you. And remember God loves you.